This is a day of worship and praise for God's people to come together and fellowship. Now, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, they met, as I said, every day, three times a day usually. They'd meet in the morning before they went to work. They'd get together in little groups at noon, and they'd get together in the evening and worship and praise and feed together and, and have fellowship and breaking of bread together and doctrine and teaching and growth and the things of the Lord. And they, they didn't have time to do anything else but to worship and praise the Lord. And God added daily to the church such as should be saved. And it's becoming very difficult in most churches today to get people to even see the, the importance of being in the Lord's house every day. That the, I mean, every, every Lord's day and Wednesday night. But again, if we're going to mature in the Lord, now I just had to, I felt free to add that tonight, but if we're going to grow in the Lord, we're going to find times when God is going to hem us in. You know, I, and I, I'll just share with you, there were times when I used to say, God, why can't I do that? What's wrong with that? That's not going to, Lord, let me go. Let me do this thing, you know. And wham, I'd just hit my head into a brick wall, and I'd back off, and I'd say, well, this way, and I, I'd try to do it again, saying, Lord, I don't understand this. Why can't I? They're doing it, and they're doing it. Why can't I do it? And just ram my head into a wall again. I remember some years ago, I saw an investment opportunity. And I had some equity in my home. And I saw these people investing in this, and it looked so fantastic, I could just see the money rolling in. And I said, God, why can't... You know how... It's from hand to mouth. I know it's your hand to my mouth, but sometimes it just... It'd be nice just to have a little bit of money in the savings. You got, Lord, just a little bit of a cushion, you know. We get in the flesh like that every once in a while. Lord, it'd really be nice to do this and that and the other thing, you know. And so I said, Lord, do you mind if we just refinance our house and do this? And every direction I'd turn, no, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Hedge, hedge, hedge. And I just got frustrated in prayer. Lord, why? You say you love us. You say you want us to prosper. Why, Lord? You know, I'm glad none of you have ever gone through any of these experiences. Hemmed in. I'd want to get those walls back. Lord, come on, be fair, you know. Now, that's maturing. He's teaching us something. Do you know something? Two years later, you know what I was saying? Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for not letting me get into that thing. Oh, I'm so, whew, I'm so glad the Word declares the promise that you protect fools and children. See? Now, you're going to find in your maturing process that there are going to be times God hems you in. He's going to put hedges around you. And when you, he does it, the second or third time you hit the wall, back off and say, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for that hedge. Now, which way do you want me to go? And if you can learn that fact that it isn't always Satan that stops us, sometimes God stops us in love, we won't get nearly as frustrated as we will if we think it's the enemy all the time. But that's part of maturing. And God's going to bring us into your life and mine in order that we'll begin to sense the need of these horizontal relationships with one another, to where we have to lean on each other for prayer and encouragement in these things. Another feeling that God allows into our lives sometimes, I think, just to cause us to mature, is a feeling of aloneness. Aloneness. Being all alone. Have you ever been in a crowd of 20,000 people and felt like on that commercial where they had this guy standing in the crowd and a glass dome dropped down around him. And he was going like this. He was all alone. He was looking at the glass dome all alone. And yet all these thousands of people were around him, but he was all alone. You ever felt that way? How many of you ever felt that way? You know what I'm talking about? Would you believe that God allows that in our lives from time to time to bring us to a point of maturity? 
Paul Barron called me the other night, the other morning. Beverly, when she got out of bed, it awakened me. And I got up, of course, when anybody calls you at quarter of four in the morning, you think it's an emergency. And Beverly said, hello. She said, yes, he is. I took him, yes, hello. Hi, brother. <laughs> I love Brother Paul. But he made a statement as I ministered to him, and we talked for quite a while there, and I just enjoy the fact that Paul says, hey, I, I needed to talk to you, brother. Now, he, he didn't think about it that way because he got off work 2 o'clock in the morning our time. He went home and had some difficulties and things he was trying to work out, and at quarter of 3 his time, it was quarter of 4 our time, he just felt now is the time to call, and he called me. But in the middle of it, he said something that was of interest to me since God was speaking to me on this message. He said, you know, I think I know why God took me from Florida to Indiana. I said, really? Why? Well, he said, of course, first of all, some of my family have been saved. But while I was there in Florida, I was depending on Brother Joe Webb an awful lot. I was leaning on him all the time. I was asking him for answers all the time. I was bringing people to him to witness to him all the time. I was doing all these things, and God brought me up here, and he's kept everyone away from me, and I just feel like I'm hanging out here all alone. But he said, God showed me something while I was in prayer about this. He said, he showed me that there's a reason for this, that I'll quit depending on everybody else until I learn to depend on him, and then he can bring me into a place where I can fellowship with other people. I thought, boy, that's a beautiful insight. Now, there'll be a time when God's going to make you feel all alone, alone, alone in the midst of thousands of people. I remember when I was in Bible college, my second year, first year, second year, second year, I guess, uh, I, I was a baritone taking voice lessons. And I didn't have the money to go home at Christmas time and Thanksgiving, so I stayed up at the school, and everybody, it seemed like everybody but four or five or ten kids in that whole school would be gone home for Christmas and Thanksgiving, and I worked two and three jobs. Well, that particular Christmas vacation time, uh, the voice teacher had noticed an obstruction blocking my nasal area that would give me difficulty when I tried to hit higher notes in singing. So he told me I should go see Dr. Such-and-Such, -such, a German doctor, well-known doctor there in St. Paul, and he looked and he said, sure enough, you've had your nose broken and the bones go out into both nasal passages with the slightest cold it closes, and you need to have that bone chiseled out of there. So he arranged it for me to have it during Christmas time. You know, it's very difficult to be any more alone alone than to be in an empty dormitory in a strange town with everybody gone and some cold, cold beef in the window and uh, some cold, uh, I forget what, a roast pork in the window. See, we had up in Minnesota, you didn't need a refrigerator. You opened the window a little bit and stuck a box up against it and the cold air coming in under that window would keep your food cold in that box. And I'd, there's where I'd eat my lunch, and there's where I'd eat my supper, and then I'd go to work, and I'd come back, and I'd get up, and I had a little hot plate, and I'd cook a couple of eggs and put a little... It was awful alone. And then to go to the hospital. And no one would go to the hospital with me. I got on a bus because I didn't have a car, and I got on a bus and drove down to St. Paul, Minnesota, and as I was riding along, I thought, boy, Lord, I'm sure glad you're with me. I sure wish that someone is around here right now. I sure wish... Oh, alone, alone. Went into that operating room, I mean, in the hospital room, and they put me on that bed to roll me down to the operating room, and I just had to keep singing, Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold, under the blood of Jesus. But you know something? God, in that time, taught me how to depend on Him completely. 
And in that operating room, when that doctor was taking the hammer and pounding on those bones in my nose, and it sounded like the back of my head was going out, to just keep saying, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful I belong to you. Alone, 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 it seemed like. And that's when you begin to recognize I'm not alone. And I have to declare by faith I'm not alone. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And there are times when God will cause you to sense that you're alone. He'll bring you into a place of aloneness that you might begin to declare His Word and mature and stand and say, I'm never alone. Now that's part of the maturing process. So if you ever have to go through it, that alone, alone, alone feeling, take that as a signal from the Lord that He wants you to learn to lean on Him and to confess His presence is always with you. I'm telling you that these are, this is the process by which we're going to come into this interpersonal relationship so that when someone else gets into that alone, alone feeling and you're around and they say, Brother Webb, do you know what it is to feel alone? Oh, no, I always felt real comfortable. I always felt like there were people around me. No, I can empathize and begin to declare to them, Oh, but don't listen to the devil here. You're not alone. I will not, I will not, I will not let you go. I will not, I will not let you down. That's his promise. Lord, I don't feel it. I don't smell it. I don't taste it. But it's so. Your word says so. And we mature that way. And I'll tell you, after you come out of that, you're grateful for all the fellowship you can get with other Christians. But you have to go through it many times for maturity. And then, a sense of exasperation. Now, I'm using a lot of terms here that may overlap a little bit, but in your process of maturing, you're going to have times of exasperation. I've had some. The first experience of real exasperation I had after I got into the ministry down here was when we had our little Bible study over at Anise and Rhett Ravenel. And I thought it was going beautifully. People were getting saved regularly. Jerry and, and uh, Rodney and Lynn and, uh, oh, come on, some more there. Uh, Monty and Peggy Urtel and uh, different ones started getting saved in that Bible study. And I thought, glory to God, this is wonderful. The exact thing I wanted to see happen, these people getting saved and coming into the church. And one night a young couple came in, a little red-headed girl that had been hit on the right side in an automobile accident. Her leg was three inches shorter and her arm was three inches shorter. And we just ministered the Word of God and prayed and encouraged and tried to do all we could. She went out and the next week went to a charismatic fellowship prayer meeting. And at the end of it, the following week when we had our meeting, she was in the other meeting and she called Anise Ravenel and said, Anise, God healed me tonight. I told the man here tonight that I was going to go to the CFO camp this summer and be prayed for and have my leg healed. The Lord had shown it to me. He says, why wait till then? Let's pray now. She said, I can't wear my shoes home anymore. She had a great big wedge, three inches difference, great big wedge in her shoe. And she said, I can't wear my shoes home or I'm on the side of a hill. God's healed my leg tonight. And Anise turned around and she said, oh, she had her leg healed tonight and she can't even wear her shoes anymore. I said, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, brother. I got out in that car and all the way home, I mean to tell you, I was exasperated. God, just forget it. Forget it. Just hang it up. I, I've had it. What is going on around here? I've been preaching for 20-some years and I believe all the truth in God's Word and yet she comes to my Bible study and she goes out of my Bible study, gets healed of it. Why couldn't you heal her in my Bible study, Lord? Oh, oh, concerns, exasperation. God, what are you trying to do to me? If you're going to use me, use me. If you aren't, forget it. Hey, I've almost got that southern tone. Forget it, I almost said there. If you don't like it, Lord, forget it. If you can't use me, wipe it off. What's the matter? If there's something in my life, show me. But if, you, if there's nothing in my life obstructing what you want to do in my life, do it, Lord. 
And then that weird program came on, 700 Club. And these guys would close their eyes, you know, God's healing this, God's healing that, God's healing that. How do they do that, you know?